Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate. There's no controversy about basic human rights, and I think that that's something that sometimes other outlets might, you know, from our perspe- my perspective, get wrong, whereas our papers are going to come right out and say it, say, no, this is who we are, this is what we believe, this is, the, this is what's right, this is what's moral, and we're not going to back down from saying it. There's no he said, she said here. That's a distinct difference between the mainstream media, and it's, it's the point of view that's necessary, and it's going to be more necessary now more than ever. Welcome to It's All Journalism. I'm Michael O'Connell here with another podcast about good journalism. This week joining me in studio is Jason Zaragoza, the executive director of the Association of Alternative News Media. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to be here. Well, yeah, this is your first time on the podcast. Since we last spoke, you became the executive director of AAN. You've been doing that for a few months now. Correct. Since... um September, I guess, late August. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I don't even know. Where, where are we now? We're December. <laughs> We're in December. It's, all, it's been a whirlwind it, ever it, since. It, it sure has been. Okay. But you've been with AAN for a while. You were telling me before we turned on the mics, you've been here for, for eight years. So how did you come to AAN? Well, um, yeah, it was eight years ago that I started. It was actually, I got hired a few weeks before Obama got elected. So we're kind of here at another bookend here. Yeah, um, here we are period. in a new climate. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I can't say it's a better climate, but it's a, it's a climate. But yeah, I started, geez, I mean, it's it's actually not a very interesting story, but uh, <laughs> okay. I grew up in LA. Uh, and so, you know, in college, I was, uh, there was in college during the Bush administration. So obviously there was, had plenty of reason to be a very active uh, or very interested in progressive politics and concerned about what was going on back there. And the LA Weekly was kind of my standard. That was what I went to because, you know, the, being the angry college student, ah, the mainstream media and all that. So the LA Times back there and all the other outlets were this. I mean, this is back in the early days pre-Iraq invasion when the mainstream media was kind of all going in one direction, supporting the war. And um, and I found the LA Weekly and it was just kind of my 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 standard. And I used to tear through that thing. I remember like I'm you would go out, you know, you picture like the college years, right? The partying and stuff. I'd go out Thursday nights and pick up that copy and I'd go, I'd read it cover to cover on Thursday night when it came out. And it was great, you know, and they had, you know, there was coverage of all, you know, kinds, you know, it was going from city council coverage to what was going on in Sacramento to then the national one. And there was columnists on race and, and, even I mean, even because it was L.A., you had coverage of Hollywood and like the back, uh, the insider, you know, Nikki Fink doing her insider industry gossip column. And they were just um, it was it was amazing for me as, as, a, as a college student trying to, you know, soak in all this information. Um, and so so I really fell for it. And um, so I always had that interest and in college. You know, I wrote a column for the uh, the school paper in writing like anti-Iraq war columns and stuff. <laughs> With the <laughs> earnestness of a college student. Exactly, exactly. And then when I graduated college, I moved out to uh, moved out to D.C. for for no good reason other than I wanted to live somewhere else. Well, I thought it'd be fun to live in the East Coast, somewhere where they had public transportation and seasons um, and was temping, you know, for about a year. And I stumbled across this position with Anne and it was um it was 
basically an administrative position running the content, our editorial awards and providing some admin support for our uh, classified ad network. Um, and so I started there and within, you know, a few months, you know, we had a um, planning meeting here uh, for some of the, uh, a long range planning meeting basically with a lot of the board and some of the other publishers and editors. Uh, and, you know, here I was sitting with, you know, there's the edit, you know, some of these giants of the industry, you know, the editor of the San Francisco Bay Guardian, you know, the publisher of the East Bay Express and Patty Calhoun, the editor of Westward. And you have uh, executives from Voice Media, who at the time was one of the, the bigger, you know, groups in our industry. And, you know, I was in awe. And so what I found was just what what was immediately apparent was what a tight knit group that is and what some of them have been involved with and since the beginning, you know, and 78 or, you know, or at least in the 80s and the 90s and had been really this this organization meant a lot to them. That sense of camaraderie is something that I think, unless you've been to an AND conference, I mean, this is this is true of conferences in general, but I, I feel it's unique to AND is just how tight of a group that is. That sense of camaraderie was, you know, I immediately, I was like, oh, this is, you know, I'm home. This is where I need to be. And I haven't turned back ever since. Yeah. We've been very fortunate at the podcast to, to be associated with AAN for, you know, three years or so. And, you know, having gone to a couple of conferences and, and you know, talking to um, alt media people, it's, you know, every every time I have a conversation like that, every time I go to a, a conference, I, I feel so reinvigorated because these are people who, Live journalism and really are about mission about the mission of what uh, the alternative press is and about what our role is in society. Two things that you know the, the former uh, executive director Tiffany Shackelford always used to say: one was you know speak truth to power, and the other you sort of alluded to is is you know give voice to people who don't have a voice. As we move forward into a new administration, a new direction, and for the country, I think this now more than ever this type of media just needs to thrive. Yeah, I mean, I obviously agree with, <laughs> with you on that. And I, I mean, I really feel like this is this is kind of the moment that we were made for that, you know, that all papers were built, you know, to thrive on because we do have this need, you know, especially with the cuts that have happened in the dailies over the past several years, that there's the need for solid reporting, but also from a from a point of view, I mean, we can't. I mean, you know, one of the the things that's been happening over this this election and post election is the way that the incoming administration just changes the narrative in such a way that they're just completely changing the terms of the debate. You know, and you can't get sucked into that. At the minute you do that, you know, we, you lose. You know, we lose, and the and not just us as a you know as an industry, but just society. If we let them dictate the terms the way that, at least up until now, it's been clear they've been willing to do, it's a dangerous road. And I think, you know, one of the alt's strengths is the ability to, you know, we do have a point of view. And we don't, you know, when you're reporting on something like transgender use of bathrooms or the right for someone to marry whoever they want, I mean, you know, Sometimes, you know, the, a daily or something might call it a controversy. For us, it's, there's no controversy, you know. There is one side that is right to this, and we're going to come out and say it. And so there's no controversy about basic human rights. And I think that that's something that sometimes other outlets might, you know, 
from our perspe- my perspective, get wrong, whereas our papers are going to come right out and say it, say, no, this is who we are, this is what we believe, this is, the, this is what's right, this is what's moral, and, and we're not going to back down from saying it. There's no he said, she said here. So that's a distinct difference between the mainstream media, and it's, it's the point of view that's necessary. It's going to be more, more necessary now more than ever. Yeah, and, and it's really interesting because I know sometimes when we, we talk – We've talked in the past on the podcast a couple of times to to people who, not in the alt press, but who are more sort of advocacy journalists that you know they're advocating a particular position. And you know we've we've gotten feedback from people that criticism is like journalism needs to be, you know, it has to be nonpartisan. It has to be you know treat both sides fairly. You can't argue from one side or else you know you're you're tainted somehow. And you know I think you make a very very strong case for you know. You guys aren't hiding who you are. You're not hiding what you believe in. And I don't think that you're going to deny some, you know, if you have somebody from the other side that you're going to interview, you're going to say what they're going to say, but you're going to also present your your side as well. I feel sometimes with, you know, traditional media and the sort of the ethical bind that they get themselves in where giving equal time somehow gives equal weight to whatever the argument it is. And, you know, I don't think that seems it doesn't seem so much of a concern from where you guys are sitting. No, you know, and I would argue that also now more than ever, I think readers or people in general, they want authenticity and that that they can tell if you're not if you're not being true in this whole, you know, you're tainted unless you present both sides. I mean, to be honest, you know, the some of the the people who are saying that are they don't trust even the the outlets that are are trying to make played even, you know, they to them even, you know, really well reported articles in the New York Times are fake or the Washington Post, you know, they're all those out to get them really. So that's they're never going to be happy with that. So why not come out and say, no, look, this is this is who we are. This is what we believe. And it's I think readers appreciate that. I mean, maybe not the other side. They're not going to appreciate that, but they're not. Frankly, they're not reading us anyway. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, they yeah, they can blanket dismiss you. But, you know, the fact is, is that you you. You know, the great thing about uh, the alt press is you guys do a great job of, of reporting, uh, reporting with depth about a, a ton of different issues. We, we just posted a, a podcast interview I did with Rachel LeBrock where they talked about the, the uh, climate change uh, that they were covering. You know, you know, just because you take a particular stance doesn't mean that you're not doing thorough reporting and you're telling things that are truthful and that, that are of service to an audience. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we're not talking about writing, sitting there writing opinion columns, which are a dime a dozen. We're talking about, you know, basing on solid reporting and telling. And when we talk about, you know, you mentioned Tiffany saying telling the stories of, of that need to be told, and that's, you know, it, it sometimes means yeah, doing a well-reported story on someone who might have lost their home in the financial crisis and putting a, a human face on some of these, you know, these bigger issues, whether it be homelessness, whether it be domestic violence, whether it be soldiers coming back from the war with severe PTSD and telling those stories in a way that really puts a human face on it, I think is, is incredibly important. Yeah. And and it's, you know, now more than ever, we, we talk about the political climate, but there's always, there's always a need to tell those types of stories. Now, one of the reasons we wanted you to come in now is that later this month, you're going to be having a, your digital conference out in Portland. What, what can you tell me about that? Well, yeah, we're thrilled about going to Portland. You know, we've been having this conference in San Francisco the past five years now, and it's San Francisco's treated us great, but we've decided to change it up. We're going to Portland where we have two 
Post papers now, Willamette Week uh, and the Portland Mercury, and they are gung-ho about this as well. They've been you know, working with us on the programming, and they're going to be throwing two parties, and we're excited about it. We're also partnering with the University of Oregon, and so some of them are going to be coming up and, and speaking, and we're going to have a small student contingent as well, which I think will be great to expose them to some of the things that we have going on and also you know, get expose some of our uh, older crowd, <laughs> some of the new up-and-coming journalists. I think anytime that you can get some cross-pollination there, it's good. But yeah, we're we're really excited. Now, I know Ken Doctor is going to be one of your speakers. Can you tell me about some of the programming you've got set up? Yeah, so Ken's coming. You know, Ken is, I think, you know, as far as big picture analysis of the industry, I, mean, I think he's, he's one of the best, really. Um, and, and so we're excited to have him. You know, after the election, he wrote this great column that I think is kind of the the lay of the land immediate in the post, you know, post-Trump election. And, you know, one of the things that he talked about is in a lot of the areas that went from blue to red are some of the same areas that that we're seeing an expanding news desert. And one of the things that he mentioned, and I'm going to have to go to the notes for this one, um, but he was talking about how in 1990 we had – 56,900 working journalists for a population of 240 million, and that now we have 28,000 working journalists for a population of 324 million. The, you know, we've roughly halved the number of working journalists out there for a growing population. And what we've seen, and, and this has, I think, been evident throughout the election, is with the rise of what we call fake news or just misinformation in general, is that there's a huge population of the country, which is terribly misinformed, you know, and one of the examples that he also cited was from an, um, this American life story uh, in St. Cloud, Minnesota, which was experiencing a lot of Somali immigration and that there were citizens, you know, citing as a fact, the fact that they had introduced Sharia law in, in Dearborn, Michigan, which, and, and that there was, it was a fact to them. This, there was no debating, you know, that this is what's happening in the world when that's not true. And that this parts of the community that were operating with a separate set of facts and how that divides the community. And I think we've seen that in a larger level now in, in the country. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. And, and fake news has been something we, we've been talking about on the podcast. And it's troubling. And, you know, I think there are a lot of things that went on with that election that not so many even just fake news, but just uninformed people. You know, people trying to understand what what news streams they could trust, and if there are fewer, if there are fewer news outlets out there, fewer fewer journalists, it's difficult to counter fake news. It's it's difficult to keep people up to date and informed, which is, even seems ironic in a, in a time when we have, you know, so much news that we can get so quickly. You know, we we have to be able to you know reach people and and get to them different types of journalism. I don't think people are have lost interest in these types of stories. I think that they're there, you know, but that presents a challenge for, for these alt weeklies. And, and, you know, what, what do you see, you know, how are they able to sort of address this challenge going forward? Well, I mean, one of the, I think one of the built in, I think strengths for our, for our papers at least is that we've always been known for this type of reporting. We've always been known for this, type of coverage that we do. And so I think there's reputation-wise that that the brand, I don't use a brand, but, but there is, there's a brand there. And I think that's important because it, it, when you come down to the issue of trust is that that's 
who do you trust these days? You know, and I think that is the, I think that is part of the problem. I mean, it's a larger problem, but our papers have had a long, a consistent history of being parts of their communities, and that's the, the other big part of it as well. Is that in a lot of other markets, they're you know, to go back to the St. Cloud, Minnesota example, is a Gannett-owned paper, which you know their newsroom had been halved in just the past um, nearly halved in the, in two years. You know, our papers are important parts of their community. They're integrated into the community. They not just on the editorial side, but on the business side. You know, that has a good relationship with the local restaurants and bars and and part of the community association. Go back to the East Bay Express in Oakland. Jody Colley is really involved, uh, their publisher, is really involved in a lot of the civic associations as well. They, you know, people know who she is. Charleston, you know, um, is another example. Blair Barn. I mean, Charleston's also a tight-knit community as well. But, you know, everyone knows who he is. He's, you know, he also heads one of the local business associations. And I think that's that's a critical part of it is when your community knows who you are and you're not you know, flying in like some of the dailies, if you're flying in editors from other markets or whatever, when your editor has grown up in that town and can speak to that and, you know, loves that town and it comes through, I think, I think that's a, that's a part of it. And I think that's one of our paper's strengths, at least. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of coming from that almost a community journalism model where you're, you know, you're in that you're in the community, you're, you're covering it, but you're also supporting it and being supported by the local businesses. You know, that's a, a great, formula for success for the for this type of journalism so are there any other initiatives or any other things that you guys are working on as you're going forward we're discussing some editorial you know collaboration projects where as far as do we do some shared story sharing i think the the letters to the future is a perfect example where we might have someone who's you know an expert on a certain topic and we share that amongst our papers or do we have a content bank where we can have more expose each other to the coverage that's going on in the different cities because I mean a lot of the impact of what what's about to happen is going to be on the local level whether it's you know the rescinding of the Affordable Care Act whether there's some sort of you know major assault against immigrants you know or push to deport you know whatever you know there's a lot of different areas where we're going to see this on the local level and so our papers are going to be on the front lines of this reporting and I think one of the things that makes Anne so great is we share editors, share tips with each other. They go, hey, here's how we dealt with this in our market. Here's what happens when this going. Here's how we covered it. And, you know, maybe try going to such and such type office and, you're, you know, and see if you can get these records here. Those types of things I think are going to be incredibly useful uh, moving forward. And not to mention just the basic resources say solidarity the field. solidarity <laughs> well i mean you're you're a for lack of a better word you're uh you're a, you're a syndicate you're a um you're a group of of like-minded papers that that have shared resources and you know maybe you can you've mentioned some of the editorial you know sharing some of the content but also sharing tips and ideas and approaches to types of different types of stories so maybe try to leverage some of that yeah exactly and yeah, another thing that we have is going on right now is a former Baltimore City paper editor, Baynard Woods, is basically he's going to be spending at least the next year, possibly over the course of the whole Trump administration, um, working as a freelance reporter covering covering the different impact here in D.C. He's going to be working out of D.C. and he's already he's already got quite a few different FOIAs out in different states. And he's going to be he's offering it to Ann Papers. We already have about. 10 of our papers who have signed up for this, and he's going to be doing weekly 
reported coverage of the Trump administration. You know, some of the early days is going to be researching some of the backgrounds of his cabinet appointments and covering the confirmation hearings and things like that. But then, you know, eventually I think he'll also be covering some of the um, he'll be traveling to across the country and also covering some of the, the real world impact of some of these policies. And so because most of our papers, I mean, they're going to be on the ground, you know, they're covering their own communities and even here in city paper, city, you know, Washington city paper, you know, that's the national politics is not their beat. You know, they're, they're covering city council. They're covering the mayor. They're covering the other city that's agencies. Plenty. What's that? In, in DC, that's plenty. <laughs> oh yeah, it sure is. And so, you know, we don't, the alts don't necessarily have anyone who's reporting on a national beat. And so I think Baynard saw the need for something like that. And so he's running with it. And I'm, Looking forward to see some of the work he produces. Now, this isn't necessarily an and funded project, but it's something, you know, is that he's utilizing the network that exists within and to put this on offer to our editors. Yeah, we had Baynard in after the uh, Baltimore uprisings. And oh, that's uh, right. That's right. Yeah, uh, that was a great that was a great podcast. He's a pretty creative and in- interesting individual. Baynard's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great personality. He's a great personality. <laughs> so maybe I mean, if he's going to be in D.C., maybe we'll drag him back in and, and pump his head for uh, some more info about, uh, you know, why you want to do this. This seems like a an exciting and different type of approach for somebody from the alt press. So let's just wrap up with the conference. And I guess there's going to be a conference in D.C. this year. There will. There the will be uh, last week of July, July uh, 27th through 29th, if I, my memory serves me right. But so, yeah, put that on your calendar. Cool. But yeah, so the back to Portland. Yeah, we're excited. We have um, Ann Friedman, who I'm really excited about. I've been a big fan of her work for a while. She's formerly here in D.C. at the American Prospect, and then she later went on to be the editor of Good Magazine, which was doing terrific work with you know until before they got they were run by. I'm sure some of the, your listeners are familiar with the Good Magazine story, but they were run by a couple, for lack of a better word, tech bros who basically decided, oh, we're going to do, we're going to start doing community, community journalism. So we don't, we don't need any of you, these staffers. And they fired, they fired the entire staff. And from there, they decided to start a crowdfunded project, a one-time project, say, hey, let's get together and do one more, you know, one last hurrah. Uh, and they, they crowdfunded it and they, they put together a budget, basically, and we're very transparent about, look, here's here's where our money is going to be going for the printing costs and this and that. And it was successful. And they did a, it was called Tomorrow Magazine, and it was a great, great project. And, I mean, they the stories that they were doing, you know, good were awesome writers and good covering good topics that were not necessarily you weren't going to find in any other magazine. And I think that that lesson kind of just showed the importance of – when your passion comes through in your work and, and it's plain to the readers, the audience recognizes that and feels invested in it. And I think that that's something that is is really important, I think, now more than ever. And I think, you know, technology has changed, I think, how we do what we do. But one thing that and I think even more so with the Internet is it's People want to feel that kind of personal connection. I think sometimes when people do it right, you do feel that. And I think that Anne's career kind of shows that, the Good Magazine example. And then she also has a newsletter, which she sends out weekly with links and and other fun stuff. And she's up to about 25,000 subscribers right now. And I think part of why it's been so successful is that she's 
she's authentic in it. You could tell it's her coming through. You feel like you know her. And she's even started a subscription program. And when she first launched, and it's, it's five bucks a year, so she's not, you know, she's barely covering the, you know, the bills. But she was also transparent about that. She said, look, I just need to pay for my MailChimp program and this, this service that I use to get it out to you. I'm not making a profit here. And people responded. And I think there's, I think there's an interesting lesson in there about, about the ability for readers to be invested in good quality work. Yeah, and, and people will support it. That, that, that's it's something that uh, all the various crowdfunding, successful crowdfunding projects have shown out there. Jason, this has been great. I'm glad you came into the studio. I'm really looking forward to. I'm not going to be able to make it out to Portland, but, I, but I'm glad that the conference is here in DC. You so better be I, here in DC because I have no excuse not to go. <laughs> but I'm always interested here what AAN's working on. It's a great organization. You're no longer at Alt Weeklies. Dot com. You're now at... We're now at an.org, A-A-N.org. Okay, so check it out. See what papers... If you've got a paper in your town, maybe it's a member, and uh, maybe it's not. But yep. support community <laughs> journalism. Support alternative journalism alt-weeklies. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Mike. Next time on It's All Journalism. That's the thing that, as this is a maturing industry... And the barrier to entry is low. In the early days, we just haven't been seeing enough just really diligent editing, regardless of style. And so that, I think, is really going to start to come into the fold as this matures. I'm really excited about that. In our next podcast, I talked to Carrie Hoffman, CEO at Radiotopia, about nine podcasting trends to look for in 2017. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about digital media. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. This week's episode was edited by Nicola Grisco. Amber Healy provided our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Hey, I've written a book. You can order copies of Turn Up the Volume, a Down and Dirty Guide to Podcasting on our website. Visit itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page. Isn't it time you started your podcast? Do you like the work that we're doing here at It's All Journalism? Now you can show your support on our Patreon page. Follow the link at the top of our website and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you can access exclusive content and receive updates about upcoming episodes. Donate a little bit more and we'll send you cool swag like our It's All Journalism mug or a signed copy of my podcasting book. There are even opportunities for you to submit ideas for future shows or even appear on an episode. Go to itsalljournalism.com and click on the Patreon link to find out more. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.